grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, my brothers and my sisters in Christ. If you had the chance to meet your celebrity icon, the person you have most admired, most looked up to all your life, what would you do? What would you say? What would you bring for them to sign? What question would you want to ask? What movie or video or whatever of theirs would you say, well, I really loved your work on fill in the blank. Conversely, let's say you had a chance to meet the referee at the last football game that you watched where the calls were terrible. You didn't agree with anything that he or she was calling. If you had a chance to sit down with them and have a moment of their time, what would you say? Would you call them to carpet for messing up the whole game? Would you ask them, what were you thinking when you called pass interference? If you had the chance to stand in front of Jesus, to look him in the eye, to say whatever you wanted, would it be more like you meeting your celebrity icon? Or would it be more like you meeting that referee? It depends, right? Depends on how good a job you think he's doing. With your life, with the state of the world, with suffering, with evil, how good is Jesus doing? You got a couple questions for him? Or are you all admiration this morning? There's no question, this group in our gospel lesson, they thought of Jesus like a celebrity. They were bringing their friends to meet him as Jesus was coming southward by the Sea of Galilee because they wanted basically an autograph. They wanted a couple minutes of his time. They wanted to bring their friend who was deaf and mute, and they wanted Jesus to just notice him, to put a hand on him, to bless him. But they got so much more than they bargained for, didn't they? Because this man, he was born into a normal life. He was born speaking and hearing. He knew what language was. He knew about communication. But then something in his life happened. An accident or a sickness or a demon. And then all of a sudden, he can't hear anymore. There was a point in his life where no longer could he hear his mother's sweet singing voice. Or hear the laughter of his friends and his brothers and sisters as they run around him. No longer could he hear an I'm proud of you from his dad. He could no longer be communicated with. But even though sometimes when people suffer from deafness, they are still able to verbalize. They're still able to communicate. Not this man. Because whatever sickness, whatever event happened, it robbed him of his ability to speak even. He was unintelligible. He was unable to be communicated with, and he was unable to communicate. He was unable to put a voice to anything that was on his mind, anything that was on his heart. He was unable to talk about his opinions, his thoughts, his feelings, or his needs. He was condemned to a passive life, a life of being led around by his family and friends, a life of taking only what people were willing to give him, a life where he was kind of just sitting on the back seat observing everything. 
But you know how this story ends. This story ends with this man taking the reins again, taking an active role in life all over again as Jesus gives him his life back, as Jesus gives him his ability to hear again, his ability to speak again. Now he can finally live. Isn't that amazing? And isn't he lucky? I mean, why did he draw the golden ticket? Jesus was in a crowd of people. Surely there were other people who were blind, who were deaf, who were mute, who were demon-possessed, who were sick, who were dying. Jesus couldn't have healed all of them, right? So why this guy? You know, you know what we call this in the business? We call this a miracle. Because God holds the game board. God controls the cards. All the laws of nature submit to God, don't they? Because he's the one that created them in the first place. So if God decides that he wants to dry up the Red Sea so that millions of Israelites can cross on dry ground, so be it. If God decides that he wants a hurricane on the Sea of Galilee to stop at a, at the, the, at a spoken word, so be it. If God decides that a dead child should come back to life, so be it. And if God decides that a deaf, mute man should be able to hear and speak again through no act of medical intervention, just one moment and then, bam, his life is given back to him. So be it. But you know, some of us don't feel so lucky, do we? I'm not deaf, not yet anyway. I'm not mute despite the wishes of some people in my life, I'm sure. But I've got problems. I've got troubles. I've got sufferings, don't you? What's stopping God from working his magic, from bending the laws of nature and freeing us from what stresses us out, what is burdening your heart this morning? Won't God do something about that? If you could give God a letter grade on how well he's responding to what you're going through, is he a celebrity in your eyes or is he more like that referee that's making bad calls? Brothers and sisters, when we go to this place in our hearts, which I know we do sometimes, don't we? Don't go too far before you listen again to an episode like this, this short little passage in Mark that describes Jesus' intervention in one man's life. But don't miss what this means for you. Because what did Jesus do for this guy? There's fingers and ears, there's spitting, there's touching of a tongue. You know this didn't happen during a pandemic, otherwise how would it have gone? But what's he doing for this man? How do you communicate with someone who can't hear what you're saying? How do you communicate with someone who can't talk back to you? You gesture. You touch them. You lead them. You get their attention. So Jesus does this man a favor. He takes him away from the crowd. So it's just him and Jesus so that he can have his full attention. And he points to his ears as if to say, watch, in just a moment, I'm going to do something about this. He spits, he points to his tongue, and he says, that too, you think I'm going to stop with just the deafness? But then, he looks up to heaven, and he sighs. 
Brothers and sisters, this is a sad sigh. This is a sigh of exasperation, a sigh of distress, because Jesus is not pleased to see how sin has affected the the life of this brother of his. Jesus is not pleased. He sighs. He is saddened. He is distressed when he watches what is happening in your life that is distressing you, watching what you are going through. Jesus, he's not dispassionate, not distant. He cares about you so much that when you suffer, doesn't make him feel good. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is not some celebrity that you have to hope for, fantasize about having a moment of their time with. Oh, what would you do if you could see Jesus? Because you have his attention. He has never left. He has always been fully invested in you out of love for you. And your sufferings, your stresses, your troubles, they are not signs that Jesus has left the controls for a minute. No, Jesus has always been in control. Are you waiting for a miracle? Are you waiting for the burden to be magically lifted from your shoulders? Are you waiting for Jesus to do something in your life? Brothers and sisters, he has. You can dry up all the oceans in the entire world. And that would not compare to what Jesus has done for you. You could heal every cancer, every sickness before it even starts. And that does not compare with the miracle that Jesus has already done for you. Because you want a miracle. How about the God who created the laws of nature? The God who created everything, who has existed from eternity, submitting himself to those laws of nature as he becomes a human being with flesh and blood. You want a miracle? How about the God of eternity being born of a woman to live a normal human life, to suffer, to serve, and to obey God's will? You want a miracle? How about that Son of God, the God in flesh, the God-man, hanging from a cross, bleeding and dying? God himself. For you to work the miracle of your forgiveness, to work the miracle of your full and free salvation, to work the miracle of changing your death, to take away its sting, its power over you so that you can enjoy eternal life with God the Father. You're waiting for a miracle, brothers and sisters. It's already happened. Because we were once deaf. Our ears were closed to hear of God's goodness or to even acknowledge him. But Jesus opened our ears so that we could hear the message of God's grace. So that we could understand from the scriptures how much God loves us. We were once mute, unable to lift our voices in praise to God or in confession of faith to him. But Jesus has loosened the bonds on our tongue and made us able to acknowledge who God is and what he has done. Jesus has made us able to say, along with the crowd, he has done all things well. The way Jesus has handled all of our problems, we could not do any better. He has done all things well. Jesus is not waiting for our approval. 
Jesus is not waiting for a letter grade from us. But when the crowd reacted to what Jesus did that day for that man, the way he changed his life, and they said, he has done all things well, that was nothing more than just a statement of fact, than just a reflection of what they just observed. Look at this guy, he does all things well. And so you, brothers and sisters, when we've been praising God in the service today, that is nothing more than just saying, look at what God has done. He has done all things well. He has robbed your affliction of the last word. Whatever is in your life that is stressing you out, whatever is bringing you grief and pain, the guarantee of Jesus is that it doesn't last forever. Even if you stay sick, even if you stay unemployed, even if you stay fighting with your cousin, it's not going to last forever because there is going to come a day when Jesus makes all things new because he does do all things well. Isn't it weird the way Jesus commands the crowd not to tell anyone about what he was doing? Doesn't that strike you as odd? But that shows us that Jesus was not healing this man, not helping this man for fame, for acclaim. He wasn't trying to get noticed. He just did it because he cared. He just did it because he had compassion on this man, because his affliction needed a solution, and Jesus was happy to provide it. Brothers and sisters, this man in our story from the gospel is not getting any special treatment because Jesus looks upon you with that same compassion that same love, that same desire to save, to forgive, and finally to deliver you. So this crowd, they hear Jesus' command, and it's kind of funny, they immediately disobey it because they can't help but share. Look at this Jesus guy, he does all things well. What does that say about us? In the service, it makes sense. For us to raise our voices and proclaim God's praise, he's done all things well. In your conversations with friends, with, with your family, with your coworkers, it makes sense to say to them, Jesus, he has done all things well. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is not some celebrity that you hope you have the chance to meet. He's your savior who is with you every step of the way, every single day. And Jesus is not some referee who can, if they're not paying attention, make the wrong call. No, Jesus' call, it's always correct. It's always coming from his love, his wisdom, and his compassion. When you're struggling, when you're stressed, when you're troubled, go back to Mark 7 and see again and again, God has done all things well. Amen. Amen.